it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. I love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Tonight, we're going to do episode 227, and we're going to take on one great listener question we got recently. This is going to be kind of a four-parter, if you will. So we got some interesting takeaways for this great question we got recently. So I'll go ahead and start and read the question, and we'll do our usual give and take. So I have, hi, Andrew. I'm really trying to stick with investing. When the stock price keeps dropping or not really moving, I'm getting a bit downbeat as how you can really make money long term when it seems you always have less in it. Is it really the dividend that you're depending on? This also may not bring the price up with the stock price falling. I'm not someone that continually emails seeking advice. Please don't think that. It's just getting make or break for me at this stage. Many thanks, Stephen. So, Andrew, let's kind of dissect Stephen's question here and see if we can help raise his spirits a little bit. Totally. And you know, Stephen, I think your psyche right now and kind of how you feel about maybe your stock picks or the stock market in general, when you're first starting out in the market, in my opinion, I think how you feel about stocks really depends on when you started. So if you want to go back and listen to episodes we did like a year ago, and you listen to some of the questions we received from people, they were very optimistic and felt like they were doing a really good job of picking their stocks. And then just based on the tone of your email, I get the sense that you probably started investing somewhere around 2022, early 2022 time period. And the market has not done well ever since. So I want to first maybe encourage you in that the market is like a roller coaster. It goes up and down and it has good seasons and bad seasons. And that's just the reality of it. But if you zoom out far enough, you will see that over the very long term, it goes 
from the bottom left to the upper right. But as you're in it and you're riding this roller coaster, you look at one month, three months, six months, even a couple of years, there will be times where you are falling. And that's the whole market, not just the stock you picked, but the whole market. So you have to understand that there are bear and bull markets. And there are a reason that they call them those terms and that people refer to them because that's just the reality of the stock market. And I don't see that ever changing. No, it's probably never going to change. As long as human beings are a part of the market and our emotions that control the way that we view things, you're going to continue to see that. Mr. Market or Mrs. Market, whichever you pronoun you prefer, they offer different prices every single day. And sometimes they can offer a different price within a couple hours. And it's really hard to know whether they're giving you a deal or not without doing a little research and kind of understanding what it is that you're buying. But I think one of the things that people sometimes separate from the stock market and the idea of investing in stocks is you're buying a business. You're not buying a ticker. You're not buying some electronic signal that's on an app on your phone or on a website on your computer. You're actually buying a business and a company. And the market will in the long run, will give you the returns that you deserve for that particular company. Does that mean that every single company you're going to buy is going to be a great investment? Nope, it doesn't. Unfortunately, there are going to be winners and losers. And there's a couple things that I think you need to kind of keep in mind to help, I guess, even out the, the psyche that Andrew was discussing. So first of all, when we think about the market and what is makes up the market is all these different companies that people are buying and selling on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis in some cases. And there's big money involved. There's smart money involved, air quote smart money. There's dumb money involved. There's all kinds of different monies involved in it. But it really comes down to buying and selling a particular business. And the other thing you want to think about is when we look at the returns of the market, if you look over the last couple of years in particular, it's very, very focused on really four companies are really been driving these huge returns for the stock market. And they're the big names that we know, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, and I'm going to blank it. Apple. Thank you. So it's really four or five companies that have really driven the returns of the S&P 500. And that's been about 50% of the return, give or take the period that you look at. And so the rest of the 50% comes from a another 495 companies. And so the media tends to focus on the winners, the extreme winners, and the extreme losers. And sometimes they'll get so focused on a company like, I'll just pick on somebody for a minute, Zoom. So Two years ago, Zoom was the hottest company, a huge, huge run-up in price, and it got way ahead of its fundamentals. And when I say fundamentals, it got way ahead of really where the business was. Now, is Zoom a good business? I think the jury's still out on that, but I think it's proving to be a pretty resourceful and in a long term, probably going to be a pretty decent business. But was it worth what that price was at that time? No, it wasn't. So think of it like buying a a BMW. Would you go buy a entry level BMW for $350,000? No, you wouldn't. Would you pay 75,000? Sure, because that's a fair price for it. So that's kind of the same idea when you're buying stocks. And sometimes companies will get ahead of really where the business is for the long term. Now, can Zoom grow from here after dropping however 75%, 80% from that high? Of course it can, because the business fundamentals, as our Brent Braden likes to say, 
in the long run, business fundamentals matter and the stock market will reward those people that invest in those kinds of companies. It really will. And that's, I think, a really great way to put it. We have to remember about the stock market that it's not only to zoom in or zoom out on the big picture, but also just kind of think about some of the other factors that are in play with the stock market. So I'll give another example. And I think this one doesn't really get a lot of play right now. But the invention of the 401k is actually a relatively newer thing that that's in the business world. And so if you think about what a 401k is, it automatically in the background, without people even realizing it, takes money from their paycheck and throws it into the stock market. And so if you think about if that's driving a huge part of money that's going into the stock market, well, when you have... Think about the economy, right? The economy goes up and down. There's recessions and boom periods. So in boom times, and everybody has a job, everybody's getting a raise, a lot of money is going through their 401k. But when times get tough, for example, like we've seen in 2022, inflation starts to become a concern for people. Maybe they reduce the amount of money that's going into their 401ks. If a bunch of people in the economy are doing that, then maybe the stock market kind of takes a turn from that. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case here, but I'm saying that's one of the many major factors that change the prices of stocks. And so that single factor could have nothing to do with any of the businesses that are in there. That's not to say a company like Bank of America is not doing well as a bank, but it could simply be less people putting money into the stock market and that drops the value of all stocks. And so it doesn't make sense. I mean, I get the idea of it and I I get the feelings, I get the emotions of it, but you shouldn't beat yourself up over the fact that man, I started investing two months ago. My portfolio, every single stock I picked is in the red. That could not be your fault. It could be bigger forces at play. And it could simply mean you're not even making good picks. You could be making great picks. You know, like If I pick a stock and it loses 5%, but the market lost 10, hey, that's a great pick. So you have to try to put things in perspective. I know it's hard, but there's a lot of things going on when it comes to the stock market And so that's why, again, it goes back to what's the foundation of why you're investing money. To me, it's I'm putting money to work. I'm letting businesses do that work for me. And so by giving my money to businesses and them putting that money to work, they will give me more money into the future. And that's something you can bank on that in the short term, there's all this noise with the stock market and all these different factors that are going into it. But over the long term, the Braden quote that you mentioned, or Benjamin Graham is another great one. In the short run, the market is a voting machine. The long one, it's a Moyane machine. That concept is really ties hand in hand with the idea of giving your money to businesses, letting them do the work for you. And you have to turn off that short-term noise. Otherwise, you'll drive yourself crazy. I don't care if you've been investing for two months or two decades. You have to turn off that noise or you're going to drive yourself crazy. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before Nerd Wallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access, wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, you absolutely do. I was listening to an interview today with uh, Jason Zweig, who is uh, one of the better finance writers out there. And he works for Wall Street Journal, I believe. Yeah, I him all the time. Yeah, he's great. Super, super smart guy. A very, very good writer. He's really good at kind of breaking down difficult problems and ideas and explaining them in simple terms so people like me can understand them. And one of the things he was talking about today in this interview I was listening to is with our friend William Green on the Investors Podcast. And he was talking about this idea that we are our worst enemies. And a lot of times when we're investing in particular, that our emotions can really drive what we believe and what we do. And learning how to control our emotions is probably arguably the biggest struggle for people to overcome when they invest. And learning how to detach the emotional part of investing from the actual reality of what you're doing will go a long, long ways towards you being successful in the market. And I think that's one of the things that it doesn't get talked about probably as much as it should, but somebody like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger in particular, they are very unemotional when it comes to investing and kind of their whole idea of what they're doing and how they do it. And they just don't react much. And I think if you can learn whatever trick it needs to be for you to be able to detach yourself from the emotional part of investing, whether it's the fear of missing out because you see your friends buying a particular thing and it's, you know, going to the moon or in this circumstance where you're seeing things not do as well as they have over the last two years. 
And it can be a struggle. I mean, I, I struggle with it too, but there's little tricks you can do. For example, don't look at your stock portfolio for a month. You know, don't put your brokerage app on your phone. Only look at it on your computer. Just a little, yeah, just little things like that that will make it more of a speed bump, as our friend Andy likes to say, to keep you from reacting quickly. And I think the other thing that you need to think about too, besides the emotional and mental part of investing is when the stock market is going down like this, it's actually an opportunity. It's a sale. Because depending on what the company is or companies that you're investing in, this could be a great time to buy something at a cheaper price. You know, we all go to Target and buy socks and we all want a deal on our socks. Well, why don't we do the same thing with our stock? I mean, to me, that's something that when I see a company that is falling that I still think is a great company that I will buy more of it because now the Mr. Market is giving me an opportunity to buy it for cheaper. And when the stock rebounds and returns to its air quote former glory, then you get to reap those benefits of being, I guess, a contrary investor. So another, you know, the fear and, and greed in the market, you know, Buffett always likes to say that he can make the most money when there's the most fear, because that's when it gives you the most opportunities to buy things. That's what he did with Apple. He just did that recently with HP. And so there's, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities when you see something like that. So that's something to think about as well. I think, Stephen, I'll, I'll try to put myself in your shoes and, and give a personal example that, that I went through in the past. So I have a stock called Universal Forest Products. They do lumber distribution, essentially. So I bought the stock, first time I bought it was in 2017. I've added to it three times. Now, this was a stock that did really, really well for me. So it exploded up higher. I was feeling great about it. it I was like, this, I'm a genius. You know, this is, th- this stock's going to 10x. You know, just all the great feelings you get. You know, they did a stock split and now I had more shares and all of these great things. You know, you have all these great emotions. And then COVID hit and it was almost like, the higher you rise, the faster you fall. And so I remember, I remember this in my memory, it's kind of burned in my memory. I remember looking at my portfolio and the return on it was zero. So from 2017 to 2020, the return was zero. And it felt like, man, I, I wasted all my time buying this company, all of the great gains I had for what? But something that you have to keep in mind is with this voting machine concept with the stock market, if you bought a stock and you bought it at a good price and it, and that price represents what the business is truly worth, then that crash that you see in the stock, if the business is actually fine, it's going to snap back like a rubber band just as fast as it fell. And that's exactly what happened with the UFPI. Now that's their ticker symbol. So that's something to keep in mind, I think. That not all stock crashes in your in the stocks you buy are bad, and they don't they certainly don't reflect the long term track record of a stock. I mean, think about the stocks you look at now. I mean, do you look at what they did today, or do you look at hey, what did they do five years from now, ten years? If you examine those charts closely, you'll see times where they really crash really fast, but then they kind of snap back back up. So keep that in mind, and just remember. I mean, in the case of UFP, I knew this is still a company that's number one, like the undisputed king of their industry. Like nobody comes close in regards to size and their kind of business really helps, really gets benefited from their economies of scale. So that was something that I knew. 
And so I just held on. And then you start to see the compounding from the dividends from all of those years that just juice the returns in the future. But you do have to wait for that rubber band to snap up. And so, you know, sometimes you'll pick a stock, maybe you pay too much. I mean, I look at a couple of stocks in my portfolio now that are in the red. Domino's Pizza, it's down 6%. Microsoft's down 4%. I think I probably paid, looking back, maybe I paid too high of a price for Domino's. But Microsoft, I look at that, I see that as an opportunity because Microsoft has customers that are giving, business customers that are giving them a percent of sales every single year. And they're not switching for Microsoft. Let me tell you, like they're going to continue paying Microsoft those huge and growing support bills. You know, it's the infrastructure for these businesses. So don't feel like you got to bat 100% either. If you're batting more than 500, which means if you're getting more than 50% of your picks right, you're actually doing better than the average because I don't want to get into the numbers. That's the reality. So don't beat yourself up on one single stock pick. Don't beat yourself up on the short-term nature of the stock market. Just really try to give yourself some slack take a chill pill, maybe go hit the golf, go play around a golf and forget about your portfolio for a minute and just keep in mind that over the long term, things will get better. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line, it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI, it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. If you're listening to investing for beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's talking money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna game. Everyone's talking money focuses on relevant, inclusive and forward thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. They will get better. And I think I agree with everything that Andrew was saying. And I wanted to relay kind of an experience that I had. I had the same issue with Ally Bank. So I started investing in Ally Bank in, I think it was January of 2020. So right before the COVID experience happened and right before the market reacted. And I bought it around $34 a share. And then I bought it again the the following month around $32 a share. And then March 2020 hit and it dropped like a rock. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, what did I get into? Did how did I really make that big of a mistake? Did I was I really that wrong? And as I kept thinking about the fundamentals of the company, even though the company dropped to, I think it was at the lowest rate was around $13 a share. And so when I would look at my 
portfolio and see that it was just, it, you know, you get a pit in your stomach. You think, oh my gosh, I just, you know, I blew that. And, but I believed in what the company was doing and I believed that everything that was going around it, on around it would rebound. And so I kept buying on the way down and was able to lower my cost basis to around 16 or $17 a share, which was huge because when the, the stock rebounded and it has, it's trading in the $40 range. It was up in the low fifties at one point. And it more than justified my faith in investing in that company. But it came back to believing in the fundamentals of the business and what I knew about the business. It also came back to this idea that Warren Buffett has talked about and especially in his last few meetings that he's his shareholder meetings that they've had that he's very bullish on the you know, the American economy and the American ingenuity if you will and if you believe that the stock market which represents all the businesses that make up our economy will do well over a long period of time then you will partake in that success by investing in those companies. And think about if you invest in the S&P 500, if you're not a stock picker, you want to work on buying indexes or ETFs. If you bet on the S&P 500, over 100 years, it's it's earned a 10% return, including dividends. That's awesome. (laughs) And there's, you know, you can't find a bank that you're going to earn those kinds of returns. Now, are you going to miss out on investing in a Tesla and it goes to the moon? You might in parsh, but if that's not your game and investing in ETFs and indexes is your game, then in essence, betting on the American economy to do well over a long period of time. And right now the S&P 500 is underwater. It's negative compared to last year. But you know, I would bet just about anything that it's going to do well, maybe not the rest of the year. Who knows? I'm not a prognosticator. I can't forecast anything. So, uh, but do I believe that in five years it'll be higher than where it is now? Absolutely, I do. I would bet every penny I have that in five years it'll be higher than it is now. And so I think that's really what it comes down to when you when you get a little bit down about how things are going. Think about the economy. Think about the American economy and how it will rebound. And if the Buffett has been bullish on this for 70 some years, and I kind of believe in what he's talking about and everything that Andrew was talking about prior to my little uh, diatribe here is that's all great advice. Those are all things that can help you in the long run. Before we close, I'm just going to hit on the dividends because I don't think I, maybe I don't paint the picture good enough because it just like clicks in my head, but I, I get, so I get the idea that like, how can you get excited about 1% 1% yield, you know, how can you get excited about buying a stock for $100 and getting $1 a year? You know, I, I get it. That's not very exciting. It, it doesn't give you the same returns that having timed GameStop would have, you know, and, and tripling your money in like a week. I get that. There's two parts of this, I think. So first, you have to remember that it's an income stream that you're getting from these dividend stocks. And oh, by the way, it goes up every year. And so you get like a double compounding effect. So you know, it would be nice to have jobs where everybody gets a nice raise every single year. But what about having an income stream where you get, I mean, a good company probably increase high single digits, maybe 10% a year. You're not so good. Maybe average company might increase your dividend 5%, 3% a year, at least keep up with inflation. So this income stream you're building, it's not just $1 today. It's $1 plus the raises you're getting every year as the business grows. All the sorts of great businesses that we can talk about that have grown over time. That's where you get 
a nice chunk of return. Not only that, if you reinvest those dividends, you throw them back in, you throw them back on the table. Now the money you've made starts to make money as well. So you start to get a, a multiplying effect. It's almost like branches of a tree spreading out. The money you make makes more money. You put that back in, that money makes more money. And oh, by the way, not only is your total stake growing higher because you're throwing those dividends back in and those dividends are making dividends, but the amount of dividends you're making from each incremental stake is also increasing because remember, we're getting a raise every year. So that's super, super powerful. And it doesn't start to really get fun until maybe 10, 15, 20 years out. Really fun when you get to 40 years out. But those, it takes a long time to wait for that. So I get why people don't get excited about that. But the, the last thing I want to touch on was when we talk about financial freedom, this idea of like what is financial freedom, to me, it's being able to have a nest egg essentially that's funding your lifestyle and you're not having to draw from it. So in theory, you can live like that forever. And remember, you're getting raises because these companies are growing their dividends. So what's nice, you know, I'm always about drip, 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 put it back in, put it back in. But at a certain point, you get to having a big enough portfolio where you don't need to throw it back in anymore. Now you can start to reap the benefits of that. And so if you have these stocks that you've been putting money into, the dividends are small now, but when you can finally say, all right, I don't need to throw it in now, those dividends can be really huge and you can fund a lifestyle with those dividends. And so you don't have to be reinvesting them anymore. You can start to enjoy them. And that's where I see a lot of the magic of dividend stocks because not only do you like you get all the double compounding effects and all of that, you can get to a point where the stocks in your portfolio, you can turn off the drip hose and then you can just enjoy it. And if it's these really great companies like you know, being in Microsoft for the last 20 years, imagine something like that, or or being in Target the last 20 years, that's a really nice place to be. And you're just taking the money that they're giving to you and then spending it and living your life how you want. That's financial freedom to me, and that's the power of dividends. Preach on, brother. That was the drip king, folks. So I think that's a great way to kind of end up uh, the ideas that we are trying to convey to Stephen and to anybody else out there that's feeling feeling this way. It, it can be natural to feel like the market is always against you and it's always going down. But if you kind of take a step back and look at a longer time horizon, that's really the advantage that you have. And those kinds of things, that, everything that we talked about today are things that you can use to your advantage over a long period of time. So without any further ado, I will go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week. We'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.